You are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of an occupied America. Welcome to this week's Signs of the Time podcast. We're back with Jean-Pierre Petit to continue our conversation. Last week when we left off, we were talking about the RFID radio chips, and Jean-Pierre was getting ready to tell us about how they can get these little devices to lodge in our brains. So let's pick up there and see what he has to say. The answer is very simple, you know. You have this uh, RFID, you inject, they are very small size. It's uh, smaller than one millimeter, a tenth of millimeter. So you inject a lot of this, uh, this device in your blood with an injection for vaccination, for an example. Like and a flu vaccination. And, uh, uh, and uh, if this uh, device are lighter than blood, it will float. And if you look at this earth, the earth, uh, the heart, the heart, you have the cross of out, out. The aorta. Aorta. You have the cross of aorta. So this object will tend to uh, stagnate uh, at the top of the cross of aorta. And there you have little uh, arterial that comes in your ear, in your internal ear. And uh, if you have practiced uh, scuba diving, you know that uh, uh, there are problems when you have uh, decompression, uh, mm-hmm. bubbles can appear, and then these bubbles can take this arteria and destroy uh, your nerves in I- here. Mm-hmm. That's for some divers have some equilibrium problems, you know, like that. But if RFID is located in your internal here by this way, it is an optimum place to be triggered by your portable phone <laughs> or radio wave emission from satellite. And what you have to say is if you have such device in your internal ear, you can create sounds you cannot hear. So you can suggest things to people. You can uh, modify. Uh, we call that uh, crowd control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this crowd control can be based on uh, weapons, on uh, threatening, but it can be based on things like that. And uh, we can say a few words about HARP. Uh, you will find also files uh, in my website about HARP. Mm-hmm. HARP is an emitter uh, uh, which is supposed to study the high-altitude, high uh, the ionosphere. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, we know that uh, this system uh, may um, be coupled with an ionizer, you have two beams with two frequencies. The two frequencies are, st- are very high, but where they cross, the difference of the two frequencies are optimum to uh, ionize the air. So you have a, a balayage. You, you move it. A sweeping. You have a sweeping. And this sweeping sc- uh, creates a sculpture, which is a mirror of ionized case. And this mirror is uh, sustained by the sweeping. You cannot see it by your your, your eyes. Mm -hmm. And this mirror can reflect the emission of a system like HARP and project 
it at a thousand miles dif- distance. Mm-hmm. So uh, such system could act on uh, c- c- world countries, especially if people are equipped with this kind of RFID. You know, I, I could talk about this kind of, uh, of things during... <laughs> Horse, you, uh, better is to stop because you you'll get depressed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we've talked about it on our website, and Laura's talked about the functioning of harp uh, in her work, especially in the secret history of the world about uh, harp. You know, the cover story for harp is that it has something to do with the weather, but of course, this is just the cover story, and what it's really about is forms of mind control. Yes, it, it can be used also for weather. And uh, if you look at in my website again, you will find very strange image taken by infrared films uh, relative to Katrina uh, uh, cyclone. And uh, we got uh, very puzzling images. You know that this cyclone uh, had the quick turns mm-hmm. <laughs> just to avoid uh, big turns. There were... and. Uh, I, I won't say that we can create uh, such cyclone, but we can ride it uh-huh. and uh, make it turn, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, re- more recently, uh, we had images of um, systems able to create earthquake. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this may look fancy, but it's not. It's... Uh, t- brings me back to 1982 in uh, Boston in a MHD meeting where I met a Russian. And this Russian showed me a picture that you discovered right now, uh, more than 20 years after. Uh, This system were installed on big trucks and they are like big cylinders, uh, something like four meters diameter, and they are connected to uh, MHD uh, generator. Was uh, initial energy is uh, produced by a rocket uh, with solid propellant. This uh, solid propellant is uh, uh, seeded by cesium in order to be very uh, to have a, a, a high electrical conductivity. And it is di- designed to work during five to ten seconds. And it produces a thousand volts and twenty five megawatt. And it is presented by the Russian and by everybody as a machine to measure the electrical connectivity of the ground. Can you imagine uh, a measure uh, uh, a system to measure a voltage uh, with uh, four hundred amperes? <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a machine to measure. It's it's a machine to act on something. Mm-hmm. So. What can you do? And uh, um, you can find this movie. It is on my website. You see the machine in operation. You see the Derrick, uh, which is uh, uh, coupled to the, to the truck. And you see this r- rocket in function. And how does it work? Well, uh, you go close to a... Qu'est-ce que comment on appelle une faille? Faille, une faille. A fault. A, fo- a fault. A you fault go, line you, in the earth, yeah. Yes, you go close to a fault. You know that you have uh, a, st- a strength, uh, a tangential uh, strength, mm-hmm. huh? 
uh, and this you know that this fault is very close to 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 move. Mm-hmm. You have to trigger it, and the way to trigger it, you install your truck on one side of the of the fault. You use the derrick to dig uh, a pit uh, seven centimeters diameter. You don't put in it uh, um, a tube, but uh, a solid metal uh, needle. Mm-hmm. It's like a needle that goes 100, 200, 300 meters uh, deep. And this needle reaches the water, uh, mm-hmm. so, so waterbed. And then you inject your 25,000 amperes. So you vaporize the, w- the water, and this lifts <laughs> the dr- ground, and then y- you trigger mm-hmm. the, the earthquake. And this earthquake can act at a thousand kilometer distance. The problem with that, though, is well, one possible problem I would have thought is that are they so smart as to be able to project what kind of effects that would have? You know, because I mean, you're dealing with you're dealing with um, you know fault lines. You're mm-hmm. dealing with the earth and tectonic plates, etc. Mm-hmm. And it would seem to me to be quite a dangerous thing to do because you might think that you're going to create an earthquake here in this fault line. And but can you can they limit the the extent? Can they can ensure they that it won't destroy their own houses or? They don't care. Well, yeah. They don't care. You know, you can uh, put this kind of system in a submarine and you know that the tectonic effects are stronger under the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can trigger uh, an earthquake in uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, even you, uh, you plan for um, uh, some helpful population Mm. But uh, it's just you underestimate the effect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree that they don't care, but it just seems to me that um, this would be a an example of that kind of arrogance that they think they can, you know, in a way control nature, yeah. like nature as well. You but know, yeah. and, and they end up destroying the world or something because of their arrogance. You know, because of they think they think they can they can do such things. And but they are mad people on yeah, this planet. Mad. You know, yeah, <laughs> they're completely crazy. Yes. Well, next we'd like to talk with Jean-Pierre about his experience with the Umites. What are the Umites? The Umites. Who are the Umites? Because they're not, it's not well known in the English-speaking world as it is in the Spanish-speaking world or the French-speaking world. So maybe you could fill in our listeners a little bit on it. I could tell why it is not well known. Because, you know, uh, in this affair, in this uh, Umit case, uh, People received letters with scientific uh, information, and this scientific information at top level scientific information. Well, if it is top level information, perhaps people will will not do anything with. But I was the exception. It started in 1975. Nobody had never done anything with. Uh, you certainly know a man known Jacques Vallée. He's a French. Yeah. He wrote a lot of books, and Valet is no longer. He's not a physicist. He's in a, a, compu- a specialist in computer science. Valet was a, uh, uh, read some letters, and he, he said it was no, absolutely not interesting because he could not understand what was in, mm-hmm. and what was in were uh, 
uh, information about cosmology, about theoretical physics, about logic, about very sharp subjects. Well, uh, I was in contact with these papers in 1975. Uh, a friend was an astronomer, had uh, 20 pages, and he said, you know, these pages have been received by Spaniards. Uh, would you like to have a look on it? Uh, well, that was translated in, in French, and uh, I read this paper, and I discovered a lot of things quite sophisticated. For example, I remember in this first page, it said that uh, when uh, their vehicle uh, experience acceleration, strong acceleration, you know when you, you, you have to stand a certain amount of G, well, you are sat in a, a, a mm -hmm. seat, but uh, if you are in water, it's better, <laughs> you know, because the, the pressure is uh, everywhere, you know, and uh, the best thing could be to be caught in, uh, in stone. <laughs> So just imagine a fluid that can be changed into a solid material with electric f field or magnetic field. You will find it very easily in, on the web. It mm -hmm. has been discovered rapid, uh, uh, recently, mm -hmm. but uh, it was described in 1967 in the humid text. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you should tell our listeners a little bit about how the, the Umayyad uh, experience began because this may be the first time they've heard of it. You mentioned that you came in contact with the, mm -hmm. the letters in 1975, but by then it had, the contact had been established much earlier. Yes. You know, of course, as a scientist, I read these papers, and uh, uh, I was puzzled by the fact that there were very sophisticated ideas about technology, intelligent materials, uh, well... It would take minutes uh, uh, to explain that, but uh, uh, you can trust me, that was sharp. Mm. Well, so uh, the question was, who received that? Let's go to Spain, let's meet these people. These people were not common people, but they were engineer, doctor, uh, uh, the owner of a factory, well, the middle-class people. And... Uh, um, it started in 1965, I think. Uh, a man who was interested in the uh, extraterrestrial problem was uh, contacted by, by phone by men who had a, a, a very strange accent. Uh, they were not speaking like... I, I could imit imitate them, you know, uh, even Spanish. Well, it, 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 it's inspired by uh, a tape we had uh, mm. when somebody recorded it. So you have the impression to, to talk to Donald Duck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of Donald Duck called this man whose name was uh, Sesma. And uh, they said, uh, we come from another planet. And Sesma said, oh, nice. Eh? Uh, <laughs> what planet do you come from? <laughs> And uh, I would like to to meet, to meet you, to exchange with you. Oh, yes, well, you know, when you like. You know, on Monday, I have the Mars, Martian, uh, uh, Tuesday, Venison. Uh, what about uh, Sunday uh, next week? <laughs> 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 well, something like that, you know. So they sent letters, 
and uh, they asked Sisma to read the letters in this group. And uh, you know, I would I would like to start with something. The Yudmit affair, you know, it's a third Spielberg, a third Einstein, and a third Marx Brothers. <laughs> and the Marx Brothers side cannot be evacuated. In the case. <laughs> For example, the, the place in, in which Sesma uh, held this meeting was a ca- uh, cave underground, and uh, it was a club called La Balena Allegra. It means the happy whale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you had a picture of this uh, whale with a smile. <laughs> You can find so, some image in my, in my voice. This is that's crazy. You know? So during uh, months, uh, Sesma received the report and he read this report in front of people who were very fond of esotericism uh, and uh, paranormal phenomena and so on. And uh, Sesma received other letters because he had comments, personal comments. And uh, later, the emits said that they had the possibility to scan the brain of the people who are scanning the brain, but they can't do it at, at distance. So it's a very small system. And so uh, the idea was, this is my, you read the letters and we scan the brains, but you don't add comments, please. <laughs> and it's adding noise to our scans. Oh, exactly. And you, you know, exactly. And you have a fantastic collection of letters where they say, you know, for the last time, please don't add your comments. <laughs> well, and then so, someday, after a few months, I think, they sent a letter as they said, well, we have shuttles that are coming to the earth. Uh, some will arrive in Bolivia, some will arrive in several countries, and some, uh, and one will arrive nearby Madrid. And uh, the arrival time is scheduled from, and they gave uh, a certain fork, you know, not exactly the precise hour, but between uh, this time and this time. And they gave also a position with a certain uncertainty. And, well, there were uh, 20 Spaniards, uh, and they signed this document. I have seen the document they signed. They were, uh, uh, that uh, three or four days later, the, the flying soldier would, would come. And so only four or, or five Spaniards went on the place because they didn't believe a word about it. And... Uh, uh, um, one was an engineer named Villagrasa. He had the three uh, camera around him. And then somebody said, uh, Sir, uh, a flying saucer has landed uh, in San Jose de Valderas, uh, uh, nearby there. So he went on the place. He found people completely <laughs> scared. And there were uh, imprints of the, of the legs of the flying saucer. They have seen anything. And Villagrasa was there and said, I was aware about it, you know. And so uh, a, a certain percentage of the member of the group escaped <laughs> because they were scared, you know. You know, uh, they want to dream, but if dream becomes reality, you know, it's, it's too much to stand. Yeah. So better to go to fishing uh, than uh, participating to such things. So the idea of the Umites is that there was, they say, a planet, their planet, and at one point... They were just listening to what was coming in, and they picked up Morse code that they identified coming from the Earth. Yes, you know, what we have to say is that we have papers, we mm-hmm. have letters. We can't uh, just give comments about what these letters contain. Well, some of us 
have had a strange experience like mm. me, for an example. <laughs> But uh, this is another story. Yeah. So we should be clear. This is what the Umites are saying about themselves, but there's no way at all to verify whether this is correct or not. Yes. Uh, for example, personally, I have seen two kinds of creatures. One where similar to their Uh, description is a letter, but the other one looked like uh, short gray, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, 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 perhaps the short gray uh, are following the movements, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> perhaps they are a, a club, you know. I don't know, but uh, would like to know the truth. Uh, what are, what they're doing? <laughs> what you want? Well, let's be back to the story. Uh, if we read the, if we return back to the letters. Uh, it must be in 1949, um, uh, an operator received a message from the hearse that was Morse, you know. An UMO operator. Uh, UMO operator okay. with a, a big uh, antenna, of mm. course. And so uh, they were surprised because it was coming from a star which was too hot because their own star has a lower temperature. And uh, as I said, it's very rare that life uh, organized around stars like our sun. And we are looking at stars like our sun. Uh, <laughs> and we don't realize it's an exception. We should look at the lower temperature star. Well, mm -hmm. So uh, they said, oh, oh, what, what that stuff, do they want to see, say something? And one you meet suggested that we could try to transmit a theorem on the square. <laughs> and so they decided to give a code name to the planet, the planet of the square. <laughs> so a first expedition was arranged to visit this planet of the square that was 15 years late, uh, uh, far from uh, Yumo. And, uh, well, this is a, a wide question. The travel are not possible all the time, you know. You have some condition in which uh, space is plié, comme on dit, folded, dilated, folded, folded. Yeah, yeah, fold, and like a meteorocosmic condition, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, the, the We can't go today because the weather's bad. Yes, yeah, and then, the universe isn't folded properly. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, you one or populations, the universe is folded uh, conveniently to visit such planet or such planet. And if you want, you can uh, take your place on a flying saucer <laughs> visit. So the, the conditions were not so good. So uh, they had a very short visit uh, in the vicinity of the Earth. And uh, we could talk about the way how, how they visit it. They use a twin universe, a sort of a high velocity subway, you know, because we have we have two universes, and on the second one, the velocity of the light is uh, 50 times higher, so you can travel very very fast, but it depends on the meteor cosmic condition. And once they arrived, they, they missed the Earth, <laughs> they arrived nearby Mars, and uh, as we said before, uh, we should go a little bit on the right. <laughs> <laughs> And then they arrive uh, over the Earth. You know, I, I tell you, the, the aspect Mars Brothers is unavailable. <laughs> and uh, they uh, recorded uh, uh, voices and uh, they recognized uh, signals. But they had uh, enormous flux of information corresponding to all our foreign language. And in their planet, they have only a single one because their planet is flat. 
why the planet is flat because they have no tectonic phenomena and tectonic phenomena is a very peculiar uh, to the earth you know you have no tectonic phenomena on mars and venus and so on it is the only planet that proves that we can explain why it is like that but uh, well uh, there are difficulties to uh, Recognize where uh, uh, where the women and <laughs> the female uh, and, uh, and the men, but you know they had not so much time. Though they decided to get back uh, to their planet to organize a, a more sophisticated operation. So the second operation was uh, operated uh, uh, six months later or so, a year later, and then they said they landed in France, in the south of France, <laughs> nearby a, a town called Digne. And uh, uh, from their point of view, as their uh, uh, inhabitants live uh, underground, for the very hard uh, meteorological condition uh, during the day, well, uh, they thought that Ding was a research center because uh, it it had uh, uh, buildings. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, this... Uh, this emission is a is a vivid call to Spielberg. Please do a movie with that. <laughs> Steven Spielberg called me. We are ready to f- f- give. We have a great script. We have a great, a fantastic script. You know, it's a, you you will die, die laughing about that. You know, because they arrive in Digne and uh, they dig a cave and they put eight persons, six or eight persons, I don't remember, and then the, the flying saucer get, get away. And then they uh, they explore what's around, and they discover the first things they discover are flies, you know, flies flying over a piece of shit, you know, and a uh, guy uh, led that with a, a piece of uh, a journal, and later, you know, after decoding what people said, uh, they uh, thought that it corresponded to. Uh, uh, a gesture, you know, the man uh, who did that uh, disagree with the content of the journal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a Max Brzezinski story everywhere, you know. And, uh, uh, well, after uh, uh, they got the piece of paper, it was a, a, a piece of a journal, there was a, a picture. On this picture, you had uh, human beings with their dress. So, uh, in order to explore outside, they decided to try to copy the dress. So, they made a rough copy of this dress and went out. And when they met uh, people of the earth, they, they realized something was going wrong. The people were looking at them a little strangely. <laughs> yes. And then they went back to the, to the, the shelter. And uh, later they realized that it was a play of Molière uh, corresponding to 17th century. <laughs> so the clothes they were in, in France in the 1950s, they were wandering around in clothes that would have been appropriate <laughs> to the court of uh, Louis XIV. Uh, let, let me see if I'm getting this straight. They, when they first came, they, they saw uh, a copy of uh, a Molière uh, play. Uh, they, they found a piece of newspaper. A piece of newspaper that somebody some had used. How do we say this politely? For <laughs> hygienic purposes. Okay, 
and they interpreted this that someone disagreed. The person who did this disagreed with what was in the what it was in the newspaper. You know, it's a French expression. It's a French expression. I can't tell in French, but you know, uh, when a, a French man wanted to disagree with something, uh-huh. he will dare uh, put it on my ass. You know, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like in English. You know, I wouldn't wipe my ass with that Exa- uh, document. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when they discovered that, they said that's explanation. That's for where it was connected with. <laughs> this is how human beings disagree with something. They yeah. which is you know, and it's figurative, but it's not generally uh, you know a, a real life kind of um, phenomenon <laughs> on Earth that you would oh, yeah. always wipe your back. But uh, for extraterrestrial <laughs> people, you know, there is no connection, uh, and there have absolutely no sense of humor. You know, and now understanding the Marx Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, kind of analogy with yeah. these Umites, you know. Y- yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, then yeah. they had to go back to their cave and redesign their clothes. No, yes. I, you know, I just give you, I could give a dozen of uh, uh, examples like that. But when, uh, they used a very tiny object, uh, MHD propelled to uh, explore the suburb and uh, the neighbor and to take pictures. And in this time, uh, the, uh, the man at pants, and you remember his pants had some thing like a leaf. Very sharp creases in them. Exactly. And so they just wonder why <laughs> it was designed like that, that way. And the conclusion was to reduce the drag. <laughs> uh-huh. Aerodynamic pants. Exactly, aerodynamic <laughs> pants. <laughs> You know, you cannot invent things like that. You know. It's full. Of, uh, yeah. It almost provides some, you know, uh, some verification that this is authentic because you couldn't make it up like you're saying. You know, <laughs> if, if this was a government operation, then it can't be because they wouldn't go to these ridiculous yeah. lengths. Yeah. Yes. So then the, the Umites were in France and then they moved to Spain and they spent... 15 years or so just observing before they made any contact Absolutely, with anyone. Yes. And after they decided to to um, send letters and in their group uh, uh, some didn't agree. They said uh, if we give information to people of the earth it will modify the civilization and so on. So they try uh, uh, softly to give uh, information and they shaped the information uh, in order that Nobody could make uh, any technological application from. Hmm? But I was an exception because, uh, you know, probably uh, on the planet they have uh, an average uh, human creature. But I'm not an average human creature. <laughs> 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 so I was so uh, uh, curious about that. Uh, uh, they said, for example, they are not. One, a single universe, there is no single universe, but two. And in these two universes, the arrows of time are opposite. I read that they were enantiomorphic. I had to search in the dictionary. <laughs> enantiomorphic means that these two universes are in mirror. The electric charges are opposite. I just want to mention that the text was written in 1967. And just this, this is a um, some researchers are thinking about that just right now. The only one who uh, started to build a model with that is Andrei Sakharov, the Russian. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we uh, we knew later that he received letter too. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was uh, it was not his ideas, you know. Because who would have the idea that there is another universe with the reversed uh, role of time? That's cr- crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well, well, it's uh, interesting because you mentioned uh, in our last podcast that Sakharov was also involved in the magnetohydrodynamics. And so that's a certain parallel between your interests and the interests of Sakharov. I have to confess, yes. You know, uh, I had a a short trip in in Russia, so it was difficult because I had no money to do that. And when I arrived arrived to Russia... Uh, Sakharov uh, was no longer kept uh, uh, in uh, in the, uh, town, you know. He could uh, be free. Uh, what was uh, the place where he was in clothes in a psychiatric hospital? I don't remember. But he went back there just for eight days, and when people said, but uh, you are going back there? Oh, yes, I know every people. <laughs> 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 but unfortunately, when I went to Moscow, he was gone away, so I could not meet him. Uh, first question I would ask to him, uh, have you received a letter from mm. Yumit? Perhaps it, it would have been a chance to, to start an interesting cooperation. You know? well, but I missed it. So in 1976, I tried to introduce this uh, uh, scientific data in a Newtonian model for cosmology. And, you know, it worked like... Uh, uh, key for for a safe. It was a key to get into the safe. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It worked, you know. And so I was convinced that this uh, document contained top-level information in 1977. And this was published in uh, the French Compte-Rendu de l'Académie des Sciences and uh, uh, confirmed by the mathematician uh, André Lichnowitz. So we were very few, and we knew that there was something really interesting in it. And at, at its time, it was impossible for me to turn, to, to, to give up, you know, uh, something like that. So I, I developed my research in relativity uh, point of view, uh, and uh, it, it took me very far, and perhaps it was not uh, predicted by the humans. They didn't think that uh, full, foolish French would f- put the things together uh, and succeed to build science with. And, uh, well, uh, after a while, uh, Spanish said, uh, they want to, to meet you. <laughs> so they invited me in uh, Madrid, and I went with a friend, and we were ordered to, to go in a hotel, and uh, I said, well, so you made what we to come, so we come. I phoned at the Spaniard and I said, well, we are waiting still 24 hours. What do we have to do? Just, just, you wait, you wait, you wait. So we wait uh, two days. And the second night, uh, I will walk in the middle of the night. I was paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> and they went like in the Spielberg movie, you know. We were analyzed, uh, uh, like medical analysis. Uh, I couldn't move. Uh, uh, 
I will not give the detail because perhaps uh, some lady would, could be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a standard kind of medical examination by, okay. Yeah, yeah. By ali- as reported in uh, exactly. a, a alien abduction. E- exactly, exactly. Well, well, you know, uh, we have a certain sense of humor, so uh, it didn't change our, co- our behavior. In the morning, I said to my friend Jean-Jacques, uh, well, we wanted adventure. We have it. <laughs> 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 so it was the beginning of, of some adventure. I have another adventure. Completely crazy about it. Um, so uh, uh, Spielberg has uh, uh, built the, the series Taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very nice. So we have enough to make another series, <laughs> but perhaps a little more funny, you know. And uh, someday. Uh, I don't know if, you, if it is an abduction, but I had a, a, a scarce, a cicatrice. A, a, a scar. scar. A scar. I had a scar on, on nearby my umbilic uh, with uh, an hematome. Uh, a hematome? A hematome. A hematome and a scar. Well, uh, after uh, when I awoke, I went in my bathroom and I looked to my uh, umbilic and I saw the scar and the hematome. So I went to see a friend who was a doctor, a surgeon. And the surgeon, he touched it, he said, they have anterior, your, 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 deeply, you know, you have a second uh, scar inside. Mm-hmm. Well, but what can I do else? Uh, I forgot that. And then my book were translated in Japanese. And I had a Japanese translator whose name is Nakajima. He's a professor at the university. He's very serious. And uh, uh, he had a sabbatic year, and uh, it was uh, 10 years ago. Uh, uh, Nakajima went in Aix-en-Provence, and uh, I remember it was on on Sunday morning at 9, the phone rings, I take the phone, hello, hello, Nakajima. Ah, Nakajima, you have arrived in Aix-en-Provence. Yes, yesterday. Ah, uh, the house is nice. Yes, the house is nice. Could you come, please? Yes, we are going to meet, uh, to work together. No, could you come at once? At once? Uh, is it so, so early? Can you tell me a little bit more by phone? No, it's difficult to tell you by phone. <laughs> so I take my car, I go uh, to meet Nakajima. Nakajima opens the door, <laughs> he removes his shirt and he says, Monsieur Petit, this car, I have the same. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, Max Brothers. Yeah. So, P- Jean-Pierre, after, um, up until the time you went to Madrid, uh, before this, were you skeptical about the the Umo letters and everything you read? Were you, I mean, I know you said that you read the letters and there were things in the letters that were seemed to be scientifically uh, solid. They seemed to be real. But were you? What, what was your... What was your feeling at that point before going to Madrid? You know, I, w- I, will g- I will give you my feeling. I am involved in such stories in three years. The more time is passed, the less I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. clear, you mm-hmm. know. Who, who is doing that? I, I don't know. The mm-hmm. only thing I know that I got a scar. Uh, Nakajima got a scar too. We had strange story. We made sense with strange letters. That's all. Mm-hmm. And... 
in these these periods when you went and you met with the Umites and you were perhaps abducted, do you has this happened more than once? It, has this happened more than once? Oh yes. And do you have any conscious memories of what happens during these meetings with the Umites, or is is each of them your paralyzed and you're unable to to act or oh. react or there, there is there is something worse you know uh, after many many years i just thought to my child how and uh, then i was 10 years old and uh, at this time it was in 1947 i lived in paris and uh, we lived in the flat and uh, at the first floor and the door was open. It was during the summer of 1947. And during the summer, I had the visit of strange uh, person, small size, with black eyes. <laughs> and uh, uh, I thought they were dreams, you know. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that surprised me a lot was that after this night, I could act the piano at distance. <laughs> You could play the piano without actually touching it. Absolutely. Can you still do that? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a demonstration? <laughs> no, but, you know, I had no, absolutely no knowledge about flying saucer so on anything in 1947, you know. Well, it's a curious date because the summer of 1947, of course, is the time when the Roswell incident exactly, occurred. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, you, have t you are 10 years old. Uh, you dream about a little person with mm. black eyes, and in the morning you you act your piano at distance. As but then that's interesting in terms of the dates you're giving for the Umites, because that's two years before the Umites say they discovered the Morse code, mm -hmm. and three years before they first came to the Earth. So whatever that visit was, if it was a little gray back in 1947... According to the Umites' own story, that wouldn't have been the Umites because they didn't know that we existed at that point. We don't know if this humid does exist. We mm -hmm. don't know if this planet does exist. Our conversation with French astrophysicist Jean-Pierre Petit will continue in our next podcast. And if you'd like to read more about the topics we've discussed today, you can visit our website at www.signs-of-the-times.org and if you'd like to visit Jean-Pierre's site the URL is www.jp-pet.com www.jp-pet.com